Hello, my friends and fellow listeners. Anyway, it's Wednesday. And you all know, you all know what that means. It's Wednesday Film and Comic Club. Yeah, I don't know why. I don't know why I'm so excited. But I mean, I feel like I picked out two good ones this week. And done a bit of research on them this week instead of last week's fiasco. So let's get on with it. Okay, so let's begin. It all started on a drizzly Wednesday afternoon. Wait, no, different story. Sorry, that's my life story. This is a different story. I feel like I should start off with... Nah, I'll just keep it going with the film first, because film's first in the title, so... Film first. I'm going to talk to you about a film. A film that I have loved since first watching it. I wasn't born when it came out. It was in the 80s. The era of all great action films. It is, in my opinion, a Christmas film because it's set in Christmas. But that's not the issue today. That's not what we're here to talk about. If you want to start out a conversation, you carry on. I'm not taking part because I think it's a Christmas film. That's enough. End of. I'm talking about Die Hard. Yes, Die Hard 1. I'm not going to talk about the other ones. I might do them in a later video. I was tempted to like the Die Hard franchise or the Die Hard trilogy, the first three. Because let's face it, they're the best ones. (laughs) I don't think anyone will disagree. Even though I really love the fourth one. Like the... Where it's like the digital age and hackers and stuff. I really enjoyed it. It just... It should have been a rated R or 15 or 18. Not a 12A. Nah. Fuck that. John McClane needs to say, yippee motherfucker, at least once. Anyway. I'm going to talk about the first one. Just the first one. Because it is one of my favourite films. And it's just super cool, isn't it? It's like <laughs> one of the greatest action films going. I know some people don't like it. That's fine. We all have our likes and dislikes. But I personally, I love it. I watch it every year. At least once. Mainly around Christmas, funny enough. But again, that's a different, different subject for a different time. Like, I'm not here to stir up the pot of Christmas or not Christmas. I'm just here to talk about the film itself. Okay, so if you haven't seen Die Hard or don't know anything about it, then where have you been? What's this rock you live under? And can I come? Because sometimes I want out of the world. And just, you know, completely shut myself out. But then I don't, 
Because then I won't see good films like this. Yeah. Anyway. Stars uh, Bruce Willis. Oh, yes. The Bruce Willis. Back when his, his films were decent. And not all straight to digital shit. <laughs> but yeah. Stars uh, Bruce Willis as uh, Detective John McClane, who's flying over to go surprise his wife for Christmas. <laughs> but she's having like, but she's having the uh, office party, so he has to go to her office to surprise her, and then like go up to the party and all this stuff. And then whilst he's there, terrorists come in and try and take over the tower and try and steal uh, the millions of bonds that are in the safe in the tower, which is owned by a billionaire or millionaire. Um... So, yeah. <laughs> basically, it's just a all-out buddy action film. I say buddy, I mean it's like full-on, like swearing, blood, action, hard-hitting. What else can I say to describe it? It's just fun. It's a bit of comedy, bit of action. Got some classic lines in it that I mean, if you've seen the film, you'll probably quote them yourself, anyway. Such as Yippee motherfucker. Possibly one of the great, one of the greatest action hero lines ever. Oh, welcome to the party, pal. Um, the bit that really chuckles me is when he's on the radio to the police and she's like talking to him like saying this line's only for police and stuff and then he's like no fucking shit lady does it sound like I'm ordering a pizza? Like <laughs> that just makes me chuckle all the time. Like without fail. But yeah. So Let's just, um, as you can tell, I'm not really good at, like, these uh, review podcasts. Review of tech, yes. Review of films, no. I mean. So the film was adapted by the novel, which was written in 1987. And then the film came out in 1998. So it's not too bad, really, that year between the novel and the film. Sorry, I'm just uh, manoeuvring myself on the chair and I got stuck. <laughs> As you do. So, I'm just looking on Wikipedia at some of the details that even I didn't know about the film. Like, originally the role of John McClane was turned down 
by Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone. Did not know that. I thought it was uh, supposed to be for Frank Sinatra, if I remember right. No? Or is that a different film? I might be getting that mixed up with a totally different film. But there was a film where Frank Sinatra was supposed to be playing a cop. I'm sure it's Die Hard. I'm almost positive it is. What they wanted the detective to be like a retired sort of detective or something like that. But now I say it, it probably isn't Die Hard because why the, would Frank Sinatra do it? There is an action film where Frank Sinatra was supposed to be the main person. But anyway, let's move on. (laughs) So they hired Bruce Willis, who was only like... I believe this was his first major... Well, not major, but like one of his first films that he's done. Because he was probably more well-known for TV shows at the time. Yeah, it says uh, he was mainly known for his television work. Was paid five million dollars for the role, placing one one of uh, placing him among Hollywood's highest paid actors at the time. Look at now, five million dollars for her role. I mean, that seems like pittance nowadays, but especially when you hear like people signing contracts with Marvel for like seventy odd million or whatever it is. <laughs> I mean, five million for a guy that just basically worked in TV to start as the main character in a massive blockbuster. But to be fair, they probably didn't think it was going to be so big, if that that makes sense. They probably just made it thinking, it was yeah, it's just going to be another summer blockbuster that people may or may not watch. If it does well, then great. If it doesn't, then oh well. But it was. <laughs> how much did it make? Right, so it cost 25 to 35 million dollars to make. And then at box office, it took between 140 and 142 million. So that's not bad. Not bad. Not bad indeed. The bad guy, Hans Gruber, one of my favourite bad guys in all film, any film history. He's just so, like, cool and calm and collected. Until, obviously, McLean gets on his tits. But I mean, when you see him at first, he's just like presented quite nice, like a nice sharp dressed bloke that's just like, I mean, he's just, he's just pretty cool, isn't he, for a bad guy? And obviously he's portrayed by Alan Rickman, the late, great Alan Rickman. 
would have been his 75th birthday the other day. And it's about five years since he's passed. And to this day, I still, I still love him. He's still cool. He got um, nominated for four Academy Awards. It propelled Alan Rickman to celebrity status and to Bruce Willis to propel him into more leading man roles, which I've just, as you've seen his career go on, he pretty much plays. Not a similar role, but like most of his films are all like kind of in that sort of same category as like like a buddy cop film. <laughs> I say buddy, it's not even like it's not. I'm just shit with explaining stuff. Right, so here the plot. On Christmas Eve, haha, Christmas Eve, NYPD detective John McClane arrives in Os- Los Angeles hoping to reconvene. Re- re- I can't speak. Hoping to reconcile his. with his estranged wife, Holly. At a party that she's held by an employer, the Nakatomi Corporation. He is driven to Nakatomi Plaza by the limo driver Argyle. Oh my god, Argyle. Argyle is the funniest man. Like, he's only in it for. I'd probably say about. Total screen time about five to eight minutes. But he's hilarious. So funny. Right, so Argyle waits in the garage for him to come out with his wife, blah blah blah. While McLean gets changed into his changes his clothes. The tower is seized by a German radical Hans Gruber and heavily armed team, including Carl and Theo. Theo Everyone in the tower is taken hostage except McLean. Because obviously, this John McLean, <laughs> and he's hiding in the bathroom, and manages to slip away from the armed robbers that are like, I say armed robbers, they're just armed terrorists <laughs> that are like exploring each room to try and get the hostages out into one big room, which is the main foyer of uh, the top of the tower. So Gruber is posing as a terrorist to steal the $640 million in bearer bonds in the building's vaults. There you go. But he needs to get the executive Joseph to get Tagagi? I'm not saying that right. To reveal his codes, but he refuses, which means 
uh, basically Gruber kills him. Because he ain't got time for shit. Um... Yeah, so I don't really need to read the rest because, uh, yeah, I just told you he kills Taggy, Tag, Tag, Tagawa, Tagai. If you've seen it, you'll know what I mean. So, and then obviously, as the film goes on, John McClane. Starts becoming a fawn in Gruber's side. In Gruber's side. Gruber in Gruber's uh, side. So then he uh, issues the task for the rest of his team. Shall I call him team? Or his clan of terrorists? Or I'll just call him his team. Because they work for him. Well, work under him. So, yeah, they're a team. So he basically sets out his team to go hunt John McClane down. Try and get him back with the rest of them. Uh, which causes to quite a few fight scenes. Quite a lot of... Uh, Kicking ass and and all blood and guts and and boom, boom, ah, ah, like all this stuff. So and then it involves guns, obviously. Includes a bag of C four, as you do. Because who doesn't want to blow up something? So then, basically, like, after all this, McLean still comes out victorious and hands is like, damn you, McLean. And then, um, but yeah, it just all comes, and then, blah, 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 blah. So, obviously, his wife is held hostage. It with all the other workers at Nakatomi Towers. But there's one guy, one guy, Ellis. One slimy little twat, Ellis, who tries to poke the fish. Is that the saying? I don't know. I think it is. But he tries to poke it and be like, Oh, hands, hands, buddy. <laughs> I know McLean. I can get him here. <laughs> but he's lying because John McLean met Ellis like about maybe 20 minutes earlier. <laughs> but he's just a coked up dick. So. Nobody likes him. He's a slimy cunt. 
and it was pretty satisfying when they killed him. Not gonna lie. It's one of them that he was like, yes. Yes, the bad guys got rid of him. <laughs> so, bye-bye, Ellis. And then McLean gets hold of uh, one of Gruber's men's uh, handheld walkie-talkies. Tries phoning in the uh, police and FBI and whatnot. Basically, tell them what the situation is. That the hotel's under attack and terrorists taking over, blah, blah, blah. Which leads to a police copper called Al. Who's in... He's in one... He's just in one and two, isn't he? He's not in... Is he in three? Can't remember if he's in three. Al Powell, LAPD. He's pretty cool. He's funny. Like he does his like routine check after getting this call saying like that something's going on at Nakatomi Tower. So he does like a drive by, just to see if everything's all right. <laughs> and then as he's leaving, McLean sees him leaving from the top of the tower, obviously. <laughs> So, like, one of the terrorists that he's just killed, he, he, like, smashes the window and throws his body onto the police car. <laughs> he's like, welcome to the party, pal. Oh, my God, so good. So, yeah, and then Al, like, rings in the FBI then. After, obviously, this falling body. <laughs> appears so then the FBI get involved they try and like break down the doors with this like a tank and stuff uh helicopters I mean they try everything which you think would work but then obviously it's a film so so the bad guys obviously have rocket launchers so they shoot down these <laughs> rockets and it blows up the tank and blows up the helicopter. Lots of explosions. Bow, 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 bow. And then finally, McLean gets caught. He comes face to face with Gruber. He's like, <laughs> well, you tried. And then McLean's like, yeah, I did, but what are you going to do about it? Hey, I'm just a policeman. I'm in the wrong place. <laughs> and then he's... And then... Long story short, McLean shoots Gruber. Shoots him in his arm, I think. Which kind of, like, obviously takes him back because at this point he's holding Holly so like McLean shoots him and like it knocks him obviously as it would if you get shot in the arm I suppose <laughs> you'd be like oh my god <laughs> so then he's like falling backwards and the windows all busted open and he's like 
holding on. No, he's holding on to Holly, isn't he, when he's uh, hanging out the window, and she's like, eh. And then John comes running over, tries pulling Holly in. And then what happens is basically, uh, because Hans has got hold of Holly's wrist, which she's wearing a watch, John sees this and's like, you know what, fuck the watch. I'll get you another one. Unclips the watch. Down goes Gruber. Boom! Onto the floor. Which is, like, what got me about that scene is, like, you can see, like, genuine, like, <gasps> panic and fear in Gruber's face as he's falling, or Alan Rickman. And <laughs> that's because he was suspended on wires. And obviously they were going to drop him on the count of three, but they dropped him on the count of two so that they could get, a, like, the genuine reaction from it and I thought that was pretty cool like they should do that in loads of films get to get people to have genuine reactions because I know I would shit myself if I'm tumbling I know you're on wires and stuff but I mean tumbling down you'd still be a little scared wouldn't you so then after all that John's victorious as to be expected Comes out with Holly. Gets to finally come face to face with Al. Because he's been working alongside him pretty much all film on the radio. So that was kind of a nice little touch at the end. And then he goes back to Argyle who's still... <laughs> who was waiting for him in the garage. But obviously when everything's been going on he's kind of like... Because the garage door shut he couldn't move. But then he just busts in through it anyway, like right at the end. And then he just randomly pulls up and be like, hey, what's going on? <laughs> well, yeah, so then they get into the limo and drive off. And that is the end of Die Hard. I know I probably sounded made a lot. Well, not as interesting as the actual film is, but... I mean, I would highly recommend this for anyone, especially people who like like eighties action films or likes a good guy story or because like John McClane's just a cop from New York who flew over to try and surprise his wife, and then he got caught up in all this. So it's like it's just like. He shouldn't even be in that situation, but he is. And then he comes out victorious and saves everyone from hostage. Only two, yeah, two died in the process. That was obviously the executive and then the slimy prick that is Ellis. But then obviously all the, well, all the terrorists died anyway, because, you know. Actually, the one terrorist who didn't die, but you thought was dead, but he didn't die because he came out of the tower at the very end whilst uh, John's hugging Holly and like, like looking over at Al, like laughing and smiling. 
he comes out and he's like, and all this stuff, you know. Um, <laughs> and he's about to shoot bloody John McClane, but then Al fucking pops him one straight off. Like, like, good on you, Al. Good, good on you. You're a good cop. You're a good cop. But yeah, anyway. So yeah, all of them died. Two hostages died. I mean, I'd call that a success. I suppose. I don't know. Never been in that situation. But yeah, if you haven't seen it, go check it out Die Hard. I'd recommend Die Hard 1 and 2. I do like 3, but it's not my favourite. I like number 4 as well. Again, not my favourite. Number 5, nah. I hope they do another one. And do it properly. I have heard that they're supposed to be doing like a a series about a young McLean. So, I mean, if they do it right, then it could be quite interesting. But we'll see. As we move on. Right, so that was the film. That was the comic. As per usual to this film and comic club, I'm deciding to do one of each. So, the comic I'm going to talk about. Isn't actually a comic that I own, nor have I read fully. I've read a little bit, but I've seen I've seen the series more than I have read the comics. But I'd like to read the comics. But I've been trying to look. But because of the success of the series, the comics gone sky high, and yeah, I do not want to pay. Sky high prices for comics like that. I mean, it'll probably be worth it to go with a collection, but I mean, the, some of them are going at the same prices as you can get for like rare comics or like first edition comics and stuff. Like my Howard the Duck one, I paid what was it, forty something, not thirty something pounds. No, but I've seen the collection of this comic series going for. Around that, even higher. I mean, I get it. The graphic novels are not actual comics, and there is only like six parts to it. But they have brought it back for another, another, uh, another series of comics, or just another one comic. Yeah, another series of comics. Anyway, I'm on about Umbrella Academy. The film, the the film, the TV series is fantastic. Like if you're not seen it, watch it on Netflix. I mean, I can genuinely say it's one of the best TV series I've seen easily. And I was watching it. Well, I started watching it with understanding of that this is a comic but not too much understanding of the characters per se so I kind of learned everything from the series and then I started reading bits of the comics online but then I wanted to get it to like so I could have the whole collection and read it properly but like I said just too too expensive at the moment hopefully one day okay um, 
There's two series on Netflix at the moment. Uh, series three is filming right now, I believe, and probably will be out beginning of next year, I should imagine. Um, but yeah, it's just fantastic. The comic itself was a comic that was started by, well, written by Gerard Way, who's the lead singer of My Chemical Romance, which as a, when I was growing up, My Chem was basically my jam. <laughs> I, 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 I just listen to him all the time. Used to even style my hair like Gerard Way used to, way back when the band was like in its proper emo phase, and obviously Ben was going through his emo phase. But yeah, I used to style my hair that way. I even tried looking for the jacket what they wore in the Black Parade video, and I found it, but I didn't get it just because. <laughs> anyway, so it's a, written by Gerard Way and illustrated by Gabriel Ba. Hope I'm saying that right. He's a Bra- Brazilian comic book artist known for the Umbrella Academy, Casanova, and Day Tripper. He also has a twin brother who is also a comic book artist called Fabio Moon. There you go. So originally it's a a six-issue limited series. The Umbrella Academy Apocalypse Suite. Or suit, not suite. <laughs> Apocalypse, Apocalypse Suit. Yeah, that's it. Was released by Dark Horse Comics between September 14, 2007 and February 20, 2008. Which it also won the Esner Award in 2008 for the best uh, limited series. So there you go. So no wonder it came to fruition as a TV series eventually. I mean, it did take them 10 years <laughs> to get it sorted. But still. If they if they made it straight away, would it have been as good as it is now? I doubt it because obviously technology's come along in the last ten years, so it means better CGI and like if you watch the series, you wouldn't think like well you'd just assume it was like a heavy 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 budgeted like film sort of similar to those of Marvel because got fantastic CGI in it and it's just so well made like the, the stories the, the the camera angles the the shots of the scenes uh, just everything is cool about it. I was a bit skeptical watching it myself because uh, like and uh, like I said I knew kind of of it and from the trailer I was like mm. But I'm so glad I started it. Once I started it, I just couldn't stop. I had to binge watch it, basically. I think I watched the first series in, like, three over three nights. And then the second series, I watched it over two days. Or a day and a half. It was... 
second series is better than the first series, but you need to watch the first series to to know what what's actually going on. First series is fantastic. Second series is phenomenal. So time travel, all this stuff. Time travel, superhero stuff, uh, superpowers, and um, oh, it's just it's just great. I'm so tempted to rewatch it again. Not gonna lie, because it's gonna be a while since till series three comes out. So, the Umbrella Academy Apocalypse Suite is the first comic book in the limited series of the Umbrella Academy. Uh, it ran for six series, but I've always said that. <laughs> and then a second series followed uh, the Umbrella Academy Dallas, which is what the second series is actually. So basically the first series is the Apocalypse Suite which is, uh, well, I'll go into it in a minute. And the second series is all about Dallas. And then they had a bit of a hiatus, hiatus, hiatus. <laughs> After 2008 when Dallas came out. And then it returned in 2018. October 3rd, 2018 till June 12th, 2019 with the Umbrella Academy Hotel Oblivion. Which I can only assume will be the third series on Netflix will be about Hotel Oblivion. Even though it left with such a cliffhanger, man. Right, so I'm just reading quickly these uh, main series. So, Apocalypse Suite The Umbrella Academy team is superpowered children who fight off evil for much of their childhoods under the tutelage. The tutelage of the guidance uh, and mentor, Dr. Reginald Hargreaves. But the team breaks up, then nine years later, the estranged members uh, are reunited by the death of the only... The only parent-in-law figure? Yeah, I'll go with that. Anyway, so basically, Hargreaves dies. Spoiler alert. Yeah. So Reginald dies, which then brings all the team back together. And because they've been away for so long, um, They've obviously not seen each other for a while, so they've all been sent off on the merry ways, doing their own little bits and bobs. As this, I'm only going to reference the series here because, like, that's what I've seen. I've not actually read the comics. I want to, but still. 
So basically, let's go back to it again. So, the way it is in the series, there's a freak coincidence where, was it 40, 43, I want to say 43, yeah, I'll stick with 43, 43 babies are all born on the same day. Which to me doesn't sound much of a coincidence because I'm sure that happens. <laughs> but they were all by people that got pregnant. If I remember right, it's all people that got pregnant under mysterious circumstances or something. But yeah, so then there's Sir Reginald. Sir Reginald Hargraves. The leader of the academy. Um, he basically goes out and adopts seven of them. I think it does tell you why he's only seven, but he adopts seven. I can't remember at this point. But to go back even further, dun dun dun! Sir Reginald is an alien disguised as an entrepreneur. And a world-renowned scientist. But you don't see that till season two. Or, well, in fact, you don't even see that in season two. You kind of suspect that he's something else. But yeah, anyway, he's an alien. This guy's is a wealthy entrepreneur and a world-renowned scientist. He adopts seven babies. And they all become the Umbrella Academy. Uh, you got Space Boy, which is Luther, on number one. The Kraken, which is Diego, number two. The Rumor, Allison, which is number three. The Seance, which is Klaus, number four. The Boy, number five, even though he just goes off number five all the time. They don't call him by his character name. These are his ca- the character names what are in the comic. But in the series, it's just like Luther, Diego, Alison, Klaus, number five, Ben, and Vanya. Vanya? Vanya. Uh, but I'll tell you the names anyway of what they are in the comic. So you've got the boy, number five, the horror, which is Ben, and the white violin, which is Vanya. But Ben dies, or is dead. He's dead, isn't he? Is he dead from... I don't actually know if he's dead from the beginning. <laughs> but in the series, he's dead. And only Klaus can see him and talk to him. Because Klaus's like powers are... Basically, like, to... To uh, talk with the dead. To use the dead's powers and help thrust them out. Into the world, sort of thing. It's weird, I know, but yeah. Luther's powers, he got sent to space and had to live there for years and years because Reginald sent him there on a quote unquote mission, which was never a mission. But whilst he was there, he 
came into contact with some like space stuff. And then the only way they could save him was to inject him with like I think it was like monkey syrup or serum or something made from like um gorilla serum. So like basically his body's basically huge. <laughs> He's just a huge person. Uh Diego his powers are basically just being able to like uh, bend stuff, I think. Like uh Like, he can throw knives and bend them around corners and stuff. And, yeah, he's just pretty cool. Allison, she she can control people's minds by saying, I heard a rumor. She'll whisper it to him, and then she basically can tell the person to do whatever the fuck they want. Then. <laughs> Number five, he's just a kid. He'd never actually grown up, because he's always time-traveling. And... Running around different eras and stuff. And when he comes back to meet them all at like the funeral of Reginald, he comes back through a portal and he comes back as when he left. So he left as a kid and space and time jumped and stuff. And then he comes back as that same kid. But he's hilarious. He's probably the best character. <laughs> Uh, Ben, the dead one. Uh, good name though, Ben. Yeah. It basically, grows out like tentacles, <laughs> like a bloody octopus, which is kind of gross. But only Klaus can control it because obviously he can control dead people and their powers. And then Vanya. The white violin. Uh, she basically like doesn't believe she has superpowers, or she got she brought got brought up believing that she didn't have any superpowers. But she's actually the most powerful one out of all seven. Uh, she grows up playing the violin, and uh, basically by the end of the first series, she realizes that. They've all manipulated her. Or they, she believes that they've all been hiding her powers from her and whatnot. So she gets really angry. <laughs> and brings about the apocalypse. But basically she can control... How did they word it in the series? Like, she controls... She can... <laughs> The more angry she gets, the more obviously out of control she gets. So, the more anger she feels, like it sets off like vibrations out into the world and stuff. Uh, like that, she's. Uh, it's just weird, but I mean, like she's she's very powerful, <laughs> and she gets so angry to the point where she's playing this violin really fast and like. It sets off all these sound waves and like starts like causing everything to have an earthquake and she <laughs> I believe the moon breaks up which sends like 
uh, pieces of debris and rocks and stuff to uh, comets, that's a word, to Earth. So it brings on like the apocalypse. So at the end of it, uh, number five has to basically take them all and time jump to a different period. Like, obviously way before. <laughs> so then that's when they end up in Volume 2, Dallas. So, number two. Um, so, series two, they ended up in Dallas, like, but at different uh, time points of the 60s. So, to get them all back, uh, number five basically has to wait until they all meet up in a certain timeline of the 60s. And then, yeah, it just, like, has little backstories in each each era of the time zone. So, um, what's his name? Diego believes that Sir Reginald is the actual true killer of JFK, so he's hell bent on trying to stop the JFK assassination. <laughs> um, Luther's working for a mob, like as it, the uh, underground fighter sort of thing. Allison's married, but trying to cope with the racial injustice in that time period. Klaus's uh, started like some sort of cult, but he didn't mean to. But people believe he's like a new cult leader. Uh, Vanya, she crashed into the time zone and got hit by a car, so she has no recollection of actually who she is or what she is. But then, as the series obviously goes on and on. They all get together, they all find Vanya, Vanya, I keep saying Vanya, that's how it's spelled, Vanya, um, basically to try and fill her in with information and stuff. And then at the end of it, again, they got another crisis, which they need to try and sort out because they're superheroes. Um, they do... And then they're able to time jump back to the normal period. Which now the apocalypse never happened. So they're back in modern day. But as they return to the house where the Umbrella Academy was. They walk in and Sir Reginald's back alive. And Ben's back alive. But this time um, he's got a new group. Or new family, shall I say. And they're now called the Sparrow Academy. And that's where it leaves off. And that's what's... In July 2020, Gerard Way revealed that a volume four titled The Umbrella Academy, Sparrow Academy, is on its way. So that should be out maybe end of this year. 
or maybe next year. Possibly the same time as the actual TV series, which is obviously going to be about the Sparrow Academy because that's where it left off with the cliffhanger, which everyone was like, oh, what? What? <laughs> but yeah. Um, so basically, that's just a quick rundown of the TV series, The Umbrella Academy. I'm assuming the comics are going to be the same as the TV series because they did say when behind the scenes and stuff that I've seen of the series they said that they took direct stuff from comics to put into the series so I'm assuming it's all going to be there so yeah I'd like to get my hands on uh, the Umbrella Academy comics obviously they're not all done yet because They've already said it's going to be a six-issue limited series and they still need to bring up Volume 4 yet. So, my guess is that Volume 5 and 6 are going to be whatever the TV series decides to go off with and then he'll just write about it. Because I believe Gerard Way writes the series as well. For Netflix, so so the like four, five, and six might coincide with series three, four, and five anyway. So, but yeah, I'm interested to see what works out. Up, see what where it goes. See what happens in it. But if anyone's read. The Umbrella Academy comics. Let me know. Let me know what you think. Let me know if you've seen Die Hard. Let me know what you think of that. Um, don't bring up the Christmas debate because it is a Christmas film, and you're not going to change my mind because it's set on Christmas Eve, so it's a Christmas film. I want to know what you thought of Die Hard. Which one's your favourite? Die Hard 1, 2, 3, or 4, or 5? Um, have you seen The Umbrella Academy? Let me know. What do you think of it? Have you read The Umbrella Academy? If you have, let me know. Because I really want to read the comics. <laughs> or graphic novels. I really want to read them after seeing the series. Because the series is phenomenal. Let me know. If you've got any questions about any film, any comic, any TV series, obviously you can take part as Pooj. DM me on Instagram at Back to Geek Blog. Mail me on Twitter at Back to Geek One. That's the number one. Um, email me at Back to Geek at Yahoo.com. Or if you have my number and just message me. Um, but other than that, yeah. Or send me a voice note. I believe you can send voice notes anyway. I keep saying this every time. It should be at the bottom of the description, like in a link. I don't put it there. Anchor already puts it there for me. So if you want to send a voice note, I can put that into next week's episode and then answer it straight away. But if you do like this sort of stuff and you do want to hear more and, well, I'm going to do more anyway. But if you want to keep it going, 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 like as much as possible, 
and throw your support my way, please. Thank you. Like, just share it out. Share it out with people. Share it out with people that you think yeah, they might like it, like this sort of stuff. I know I'm a rambling idiot most of the time, but I do like to believe that there's some people out there that do enjoy these as much as I enjoy uh, talking about stuff. <laughs> but yeah, if you do like it, just tell people to share it. Or if you listen on Apple, uh, leave me a review. Leave me some stars. Leave me a review. Like, it doesn't bother me if it's good or bad. I suppose every review counts to, like, the more times I'll get distributed and the more I'll pop up on people's feeds and stuff. So, that will help in some sort of ways. I have now started, well, I've I've made a YouTube channel, which is going to be called Back to the Geek. I will primarily be using it for live streams so when a live stream gaming or just going on there to have a chit chat really um i've been doing live streams on instagram recently just having random chats um i will be getting into gaming on youtube as well i just need to figure out the whole way of doing it with my camera setup and whatnot so hopefully that should be coming sometime in March. Hopefully beginning of March. Don't really want to leave it off any longer because I said I wanted to start doing it at the start of 2021 and here we are, near enough three months in and, well, near enough two full months gone and I've still not started. <laughs> so, but I'm taking the steps. I've set up a channel. I've got everything set up, like my uh, my logo, my a border and I just need to actually do a video now to put on my channel so we'll see how that goes anyway I've got into the red now which means it's a countdown until it stops recording automatically so with that be good be safe be kind be respectful enjoy yourselves I'll um I'll speak to you Friday. Bye-bye.